the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, I almost said it was a Tuesday, but it's a Wednesday. Because I didn't start back until Tuesday. So yesterday was my first day back from Thanksgiving. It's our second day in. And that means that we are now into uh, to Wednesday. Last day of November happening today. So that, uh, you know, starting tomorrow, it's the rush. About three weeks out from Christmas. And that means got to take care of all that stuff. Buy those gifts. Get those things taken care of. I was having a long discussion with my grandson last night trying to figure out what he was wanting and uh, there in, in Oklahoma and so I can get it ordered and get it uh, wrapped and delivered to uh, his house. So that that's being taken care of, as uh, well, I guess, as we speak. But, uh, yeah, you know, Christmas... Uh, time is here and it's upon us and that's good i i really have to say i'm impressed with the number of people who have already you know dressed up their homes they got them lit up at night i'm i like seeing that and you know i mean it's the first christmas in two years that we're gonna all be able to get back together again and open presents and i don't know eat cookies and drink hot chocolate and all those great things that we like to do all right so let's get it underway big uh, Sports news this morning. The United States yesterday won uh, again in a uh, anticipated uh, game uh, in the 2022 World Cup in Qatar, advancing to the knockout stage of the tournament. The United States men's uh, national team scored their first and only goal of the match just over a third of the way through the first half. With the U.S. fending off challenge after challenge, a series of injuries, uh, replacements led to an extra nine minutes of stoppage time at the end of the second half. But the United States men's national team was able to hold out and maintain their 1-0 lead over Iran. You know, if I was an Iranian, I might be glad that I'm out of the tournament, to be honest with you. Did you hear what the, you know, the country's government said that if you don't sing the national anthem after the game's over we know where the rest of your family lives basically that's what they told them you know we know where they go to school and there will be repercussions so all of you who get out and talk about how the united states is just a bunch of nazis and stuff that's the real Nazis and stuff over there from those countries. You know, take a look at what they do. I mean, look at what's going on in China. 
right now with the, still all this lockdown they got going on uh, for COVID. They're still, they are still welding, welding, okay, let me say it again, welding apartment doors shut so people can't leave their apartments and can't leave the uh, uh, apartment buildings because there might be one case of COVID in the whole building. Did you hear about that uh, place over in China? I don't know what city it was in, but they had 10 people that had COVID there, and they had the doors, uh, you know, shut and welded shut, and a freaking place burned down with the people in it. They didn't save them. That tells you about uh, a government that... Uh, doesn't care about the people and what are the people of china starting to do now well they got something going on like they had back in the 80s kind of got the whole feel of tenement square happening there again and we'll see what uh what the uh, the government does this time i mean they did they did kind of the same thing to uh, hong kong you know, they told everybody, oh, we're going to leave. Well, let them be free. They can do what they want. It's just if Hong Kong belongs to us, you know, let us take it back. And nothing's going to happen to those people. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. You remember what they did. They, got, they ended up out on the streets holding up umbrellas, open umbrellas in front of uh, people who had guns. And... Uh, of course, here in the United States, I didn't see uh, Black Lives Matter or um, I, I didn't see Antifa or any of those people get out and, and march in support of those people. I didn't see anybody who thinks that way out supporting those poor people. Well, I mean, we covered it as well as we could. We had several people on that were in Hong Kong at the time, keeping you abreast of what was happening. But uh, this is why I get, you know, I want to puke at times. Uh, These people that uh, they go out and they burn buildings down and they destroy people's businesses and and everything over, um, you know, relatively nothing. Unbelievable. It really is. Just be glad. I, I tell you this every day. You know, I'll mention it. Maybe I'll start mentioning it every morning. That this is another day that you won the lottery. You were born in the greatest nation on earth. And if you don't believe that, may I suggest if you've never been out of the country, that you get out of the country and go take a look at uh, what's going on in a lot of other countries. You just might find that uh, after seeing it, you're going going to feel like, wow, I really really am lucky. All right, so uh, yesterday they codified same-sex marriage uh, in the uh, the Senate. It's got to go to the House yet and be voted on, too. It had passed now because they're getting it done before the Republicans are in control. And, uh, you know, where does that put religious liberty? Well, you'll hear them talking about, ah, don't worry about that. All the churches are safe, no problem, nobody's going to get sued. Uh, I don't buy that. And the Alliance Defending Liberty said, 
quote, it undermines religious freedom everywhere. It exposes Americans throughout the country to predator, uh, predatory lawsuits by activists seeking to use the threat of litigation to silence debate and exclude people of faith from the uh, public square. It's, it's going to be interesting. We'll see if they keep their their part of this. Uh, I don't believe that they will. They'll attack the church um, as they can when uh, a church says that they don't believe in, in gay marriage. And so uh, we only believe that uh, a man marries a man, a woman marries a woman. And when they say that, then they're going to say, hey, well, then, uh, you know, you're being discriminatory. And they're going to come after the the churches about that. Uh, how about if you aren't renting your you rent out to a saint, you know a, a regular you know married couple, man and a woman, for their uh, to, for them to have their marriage at the church, and they <clears throat> want to have uh, you know uh, to get together after and uh, have a dinner or whatever, and then a, a same sex uh, marriage. Uh, comes to the church and says, we want to do, you know, have our marriage here in the church. The church says, no, I'm just telling you, get ready, it's coming. We've had some of this happen. You know, hasn't happened to churches per se. Um, there has been a couple of occasional lawsuits about this. Um, and churches, for the most part, have given in. The time for giving in is done. You're going to have to stand and fight now, or they'll start taking. People are going to start taking your freedoms, and by the time it's all over, there'll be no re- religious freedom here in uh, our our country. All right, six fifteen on a uh, a Wednesday, we've got uh, Emma Waters coming up, and we're going to talk about this particular bill here uh, in the six thirty five half hour. So I want you to stick around for that. At 7 o'clock, the congressmen will be with us. We'll be talking to Congressman Hill and Congressman Westerman, and we're going to talk about some of the stuff we talked about yesterday in the last hour. We're going to talk about the lame duck session uh, that's coming up. A lot of things can go down over the next five weeks. It's just going to be interesting to see what uh, the um, Democrats are going to uh, try to do. Uh, McConnell looks like he's going to be a squishy best uh, over in the Senate. But I'm I'm liking what I'm hearing from the House. Of course, the House, the Republicans have the majority. So they can can control the agenda, basically, uh, over in the House side. But we're going to talk about all of this and try to explain why the next five weeks are going to be uh, very, very important. Just know this. The Democrats know if they want to get anything done now, over in the House, they got to do it now. Because come January 1, it's over with. They're out of power. And because they're out of power, trying to get things done will be very, very difficult. All right, so uh, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Still got a couple other stories that I want to talk about with you uh, right now here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about East End Towing. They're going to take good care of you. Uh, no matter the situation, East End Towing can handle it, and they've got the answers for you. What happens uh, with your car or your boat or your uh, truck or your uh, camper? Or if you're driving your camper, you got one of the big ones, you know, the class, the class A's. 
and it breaks down, and you got your car behind it and all the rest. Well, East End Towing can handle that as well. They've got the equipment to get you uh, to the place that you want to get that fixed up at uh, and and take your car uh, to it. Uh, you know, what, what, what do you do with your vehicle when you get towed? All of that. You need to know you should have a, a mechanic. You should have uh, someone who has worked on your car consistently, knows your car, and um, have their name and their address and things of that nature so you can give it to East End Towing. Here's what you need to do. Just give them a call, uh, 501-888-8849. They do a fantastic t- uh, job. I've used them twice. They're fantastic. 501-888-8849. That is East End Towing. Back with you. Um, it's getting interesting for the uh, folks uh, over at Apple. I'm uh, sure that you know that they're talking, and they have uh, evidently made the, the move to get rid of Twitter uh, because of Elon Musk. Now, l- let me tell you how ridiculous this is. They tell us that they won't let Elon Musk put Twitter on um, on uh, Apple. However, they'll take a uh, a product that is is going in and sweeping up all kinds of information about Americans and put it on Twitter. I'm talking about TikTok. TikTok is a national. Uh, Program. I mean, it's an international program, but here in the United States, they're using it to spy on us. It's exactly what the Chinese are using it for. But, hey, look, um, the folks at uh, uh, Apple don't care. They just don't care. Um, National Review talking about this said uh, that would be a huge, huge mistake to take Twitter off. And it would be a really raw, raw example of an exercise of monopolistic power uh, that, uh, as uh, Governor Ron DeSantis said, I think it would merit a response from the United States Congress. And he slammed Apple for reportedly uh, patching out airdrop in China and threatening Twitter and Elon Musk. Mary Oaks said, let this sink in. Apple is threatening to take Twitter off of its app store, but not TikTok, even after the FCC commissioner, Brendan Carr, sent them a letter last summer asking them to remove TikTok because of serious national threats posed by TikTok. And, uh, I mean, TikTok literally is owned by the CCP. So keep that in mind. And I, I think uh, our own Hugh Hewitt and what he had to say may be what uh, uh, the folks at uh, Apple may see happen. After years and years of having my handy iPhone with me, I'll drop it and uh, switch to Android in a second if Apple drops Twitter from their app store. Done. Over. I can't believe Apple would be that dumb, but who knows? So uh, that's something to keep our eye on. It's not the biggest story that is out there in news, but it's a story that you need to think about it. Uh, 
House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy said it is, quote, offensive that the White House, check this out, how close is the working relationship of the White House uh, with the folks at Apple? And I don't know if you saw the uh, the press secretary yesterday, and she went on a long screed about it. And uh, they said uh, that the White House plans to monitor, monitor in real time, Elon Musk's Twitter, stressing that Republicans will no longer let government go after people simply because of their political views. McCarthy, after a meeting at the White House with President Biden, Vice President Harris, and congressional leaders, was asked about White House Press Secretary Karen Jean-Pierre's comments Monday after the White House would be keeping a close eye on Twitter under Musk. When, you know, this is, this is crazy. I mean, this is the government now saying, we're watching you. We're watching you as a, a company because you're really offering freedom of speech. That's dangerous. Uh, interesting, they will monitor Musk, but they're not going to monitor any other tech company for silencing conservatives or even Apple threatening to remove Twitter from the App Store, said Elon Musk. This is a battle. For the, the future of civilization, if free speech is lost, even in America, tyranny is all that lies ahead. And let me just say that the, um, the soft glove of tyranny will be gone. You know, right now in some countries, there's tyranny, but they're not at uh, the apex of their tyrannical uh, uh, control of people. You get rid of free speech, you got where people can't say what they believe, where they end up going to, you know, the jail, they go to prison, they get tortured, all the rest of it that goes along with that, then darkness descends. I mean, you can see it now. There's there's people on the right that won't stand up and say what they really believe because they're afraid of the pushback that happened to them. I mean, you might be one of them. I don't know. You might be one of those people. You know, you say, I don't talk about politics with anybody because you just don't know where the other people stand at. And uh, I don't do it at work for sure because uh, people at the top come down on you if you say something that they don't agree with. So Elon Musk is um, doing some things that are really interesting. I guess uh, you're aware about, you know, how Twitter... Uh, ban people uh, from talking about, you know, the Wuhan virus and that it started in China and things of that nature. Uh, Town Hall reporting, Twitter has published its first set of transparency reports about how the site had operated prior to uh, Elon Musk taking over the company. Among the reports, the social media giant states they are no longer enforcing its COVID-19 misleading information policy. Uh, Since January 2020, over 11 million accounts were challenged for violating the COVID-19 information policy. 11,230 accounts were suspended and 97,674 pieces of content were removed. Elon Musk said 
the Twitter files on uh, free speech suppression are soon to be published on Twitter itself. And you deserve to know what really happened. So what was going on behind the curtain, you know? What was the... uh, what was going on with the Wizard of Oz? And the people were making up uh, the decisions that you couldn't talk about this or you couldn't talk about that. That's going to become very, very transparent in the near future. And when it happens, there's going to be a lot of people with egg on their face. So keep that in mind. All right, we got to get a break in. we got news coming up here in just a moment. It's supposed to be a nice day today. High today, around 60 degrees, sunshine. We missed the bad weather last night. I don't even know if it rained last night where I was at. But down along the uh, Gulf Coast today, they're really getting hammered. We did have some uh, bad storms down in the southeast part of the state. Uh, There's about 12 or 13 different tornadoes between Arkansas and Mississippi uh, over, over uh, overnight. And uh, there's going to be uh, tornadoes today. So, you know, we don't have to keep our eyes to the sky, but know that uh, if you're going to the east, it's going to get rough. Back with you. We should be uh, joined by uh, Miss Waters here uh, in, a, in a short instant. Uh, Heidi's uh, getting in touch with her right now. And we're going to talk to her about this piece of legislation uh, that passed out of uh, the Senate yesterday. Uh, codifying, you know, uh, same-sex marriage. So we're going to talk about that. And what does it mean uh, for, uh, you know, places of of faith and how they, you know, they believe and what can they say and what can they do. So Emma's going to join us. We're going to talk with her here in a moment. Uh, She is the uh, research associate of the uh, Helen DeVos Center uh, for... Uh, life, religion, and family. And uh, Emma, not a good day for us yesterday. <laughs> not a good day at all. Yeah, let, let's talk about that. Let me read a couple of quotes that I have in front of me. First, from uh, the Alliance Defending uh, Freedom. And freedom, of course, includes religious freedom. And something that we've always said that if we codified and did some of the things that they wanted to get done on the left is that, uh, you know, religious freedom would be imperiled. Uh, ADF says it undermines religious freedom everywhere and exposes Americans throughout the country to predatory lawsuits by activists seeking to use the threat of litigation to silence, debate, and exclude people of faith from the public square. So yesterday in the Senate, and I think about 18 or 19 Republicans joined in codifying uh, this uh, the, this belief system, uh, the lawsuits we've seen about People who say that they won't make a cake for a same-sex couple. People that say they won't take pictures of a same-sex marriage because of their religious views. Uh, This doesn't stop that from not happening again. In fact, it will probably accelerate. Would you agree? 
No, that's absolutely right. Um, so with the Disrespect for Marriage Act, as I like to call it, um, what we saw was a redefinition of marriage to include same-sex marriage and then a complete refusal to add any positive um, protections for people of faith and their institutions. So Senator Mike Lee actually had an amendment that simply said that this legislation cannot be used by the IRS, by other government agencies, by individuals through a private right of action to retaliate against people of faith or their institutions for holding to traditional marriage. And so he basically said that if you believe that this legislation shouldn't be used to take away the tax-exempt status or their government grants, licenses, um, or accreditation, which is what nonprofits and schools and other religious organizations need to exist in the United States then vote for my amendment. Um, and yet we saw the amendment fail. So most voting Republicans signed on to it, and, and then one Democrat did. But it still wasn't enough to hit the 60-vote threshold. So instead, what they did was they passed a bill that lacked all of these protections and has now put a giant target on the backs of all religious institutions and people of faith going forward. Okay, so let me ask you, Romney and some of the other folks that voted for this. I think it was, like I said, 18 or 19 Republicans. Do they not understand what what they've done? Or is it that they just don't care? Or do they have a whole lot of people that give them money that are from uh, the LGBTQ plus, 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 plus uh, community? Right. It's a great question, and that's what makes this so bizarre. Um, and I think that's the question that we're at left asking ourselves at Heritage is, on the one hand, do these people simply not understand what they voted for? Um, but to that degree, uh, the Heritage Foundation, ADF that you just read a quote from, and countless other organizations have been working tirelessly with the, I think it was 12 Senate Republicans that voted in favor of this, to explain the bill, to explain the implications and the ramifications of it and to um, ask them to vote on behalf um, of their constituents and those who still value religious liberty, which is still the majority of Americans, I think, even if you do support gay marriage, you still want religious liberty protected. So it seems unlikely that they they don't simply understand what they're voting for. And then on the other hand, is it just a simple naivete? Are they being naive in this moment, thinking that it's not going to be um, politicized and used to attack people of faith? which is exactly how the bill is set up. Um, so it's, it's a lot of questions, right? Because we saw some uh, Jewish groups, some Christian groups, um, and especially the Mormon church come out in support, actually, of this bill without the religious liberty protections. And so it's a big question mark of if these organizations and these Christian groups even understand um, the implications of it, because as it stands... They'll either have to capitulate when it comes to same-sex marriage and make that a part of their either religious practice or especially the practice of their nonprofits and their schools, or they're going to risk the very existence of these nonprofit organizations. So, I, yeah, there's a lot of questions, I think, circulating about exactly what was the motivation here when the outcome is so clearly um, not in their favor. Yeah, I mean seriously, you're you're opening yourself up for attack by doing this. This is, you know, you open yourself up for tyranny here, and I, and I it it amazes me that the church at times 
looks at the world and says, well, we don't want you to think that we're bad people. Look, the Bible says that we're peculiar peculiar people, and because we don't believe the way the world does we're going to we're going to rub them wrong a lot of times yeah that's exactly right and here's the thing even if you support same-sex marriage right nothing in this bill changes the rights that same-sex unions or marriages or individuals are afforded when it comes to their insurance and visitation rights and hospital all of those benefits stay the same when it comes to their rights within marriage or within the states none of that changes which clearly points to the fact that like these rights aren't actually under attack for same-sex couples but what it was, it was a Trojan horse, effectively, um, to then attack people of religious faiths that hold a traditional marriage instead. Um, so it's not even a question of Christians or religious organizations um, launching an attack on the LGBT community, right? It's the total opposite. It's the LGBT community saying, well, we have these rights that are under attack, rights that they can't actually point to because nothing changes here. Um, and then in doing so, putting people of faith in the hot seat and opening them up to countless countless litigations going forward and we know that there's nothing more powerful in our law than the claim of discrimination right and the moment you say i was discriminated against you have the full weight of activist organizations um and in some cases poor law coming against you to try to rectify that wrong um and now all of that is going to be placed squarely on the backs of people of faith yeah, they're going to be out there uh, with a bullseye on their back. These people that are bakers, people that are photographers, people who are uh, wedding coordinators and all of that, uh, they're the people that are going to really get hurt with this piece of legislation. And it's only a matter of time before uh, the churches themselves are going to have uh uh, the lawyers knocking at their door, so to speak. And I'm going to quote uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren from Massachusetts, a Democrat, about what she had to say about this. And I find what she said was chilling. And we'll talk about that when we come back. Emma Waters is our guest. She's from the Heritage Foundation. They're on my show a lot. They're the experts. I bring them on, and uh, I want you to keep up on on all of these topics. So, Emma, uh, if you're drinking coffee, pour yourself another cup of coffee. I'll be back in just a moment, okay? All right. Sounds great. All right. About a quarter till seven. Here we are on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about Hillcrest Designer Jewelry and what they're uh, doing. It, I mean, it is getting to be the Christmas season now. Today's the last day of November, so you got to be starting to think seriously. Look, I know you may be a guy that's listening to the show, and you go, hey, I, I wait to the very end. Don't work to, you know, wait to the very end. There's a lot of very, very cool stuff in the display cases right now at Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. It's a little late to probably go for something unique right now uh, and because I know that uh, uh, Eric has a whole lot of stuff already lined up to get done but you can call and you can ask or you can stop by and you can talk to him maybe he can fit you in there they're at 3000 Cavanaugh Suite E open Monday through Saturday 10 till 6 and uh, look Eric's been around for a long time he's got over 40 years of experience you get the highest quality you got these large display cases with uh, a whole lot of uh, uh, of jewelry in it from other creators as well he'll do unique uh, creations for you 
If you've got estate jewelry, he'll tell you how much that jewelry is worth. And maybe you want to do a, a deal where he tells you how much it's worth and he'll give you cash for it. Or he'll tell you if you want to do a trade and you want to use the jewelry you have and how much is it worth to buy something from him. He'll do that, too, and usually you come out a little bit further ahead when you do it that way. Plus, repairs and cleaning. He does it all for you. That's Eric Coleman and the good folks at Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. All right, back with you, and uh, Emma Waters is our guest. Let me also remind you that uh, for 2023, for the uh, Dave Ellswick Classic movie, we'll start off like we always do in January. We'll do Gone with the Wind, because I like to just drive the left nuts on that movie. So we'll show that again here on uh, uh you know, 101.1 FM, uh, the answers, big screen over at Riverdale 10. But then the rest of the month, the rest of the month of uh, 2023, we will uh, show you movies of Steven Spielberg. We're going to su- we're going to celebrate uh, Steven St- uh, Spielberg. We're working at right now for February to be Raiders. We're going to talk about that. Uh, Empire of the Sun is, and, and Sugarland Express, all of those great movies, Munich. Uh, that uh, Steven Spielberg has done. Uh, We'll be showing those as our classic movies in 2023. You want to move back, uh, you want to move over here to Arkansas, Emma, so you don't miss any of those movies? I was going to say Gone with the Wind is one of my favorite movies, so Ah. I'll make sure I come see that one. Yeah, have you ever seen it on the big screen? I haven't, actually. Oh, my God. Yeah, you got to come in. You need to come and see it. I've got to do it. I was born and raised in Georgia, so I read the book growing up. I watched the movie in high school. Yeah, got to keep it close. All right. Well, let, let's get back to what we were talking about. I, you know, here's the thing. The left says things, and the right doesn't believe them. Oh, they don't mean that. Yeah, they do. There's one thing my father always taught me. He always said, Dave, if somebody says something, believe them. You know, believe what they're telling you. Here's what Senator Warren of Massachusetts said about this piece of legislation. She, of course, is a leading progressive. She called the legislation a positive, quote, first step, unquote, but said we've got more work to do when it comes to preserving equal marriage rights. What other work they got to do? What is it, what is it they're not telling us, do you think, Emma? Well, and this is exactly what we were talking about earlier. Obviously, the question is not preserving equal rights. Um, Those already exist for people who want to be in same-sex unions and marriages. What this is about is making it impossible to differ in your actions and beliefs with anything other than same-sex marriage. So, sure, so so ultimately the goal would be that, yes, you can have um, traditional marriage between one man and one woman, but that belief in traditional marriage and that desire to act exclusively in accordance with that um, would no longer be on the table. Um, And you wouldn't have the ability as a religious person or institution or school, right, to make decisions uh, with that line. So I think like one of the best examples of this could be like, think of like your local Christian school. And if a man who is in a gay marriage applies to work there, and the school um, turns him down, and maybe he's not qualified, maybe he's not a good fit for a school, and maybe it's, it comes down to the fact that he's in a gay marriage, which doesn't represent what they believe about marriage and isn't what they want to show their students. 
what Elizabeth Warren um, and other Democrats are ultimately hoping for is to make it impossible for that school to be able to exercise religious liberty in the decisions they make about hiring. So instead of them having the right to decide the values and the morals that they place before students, because we know that education is ultimately a practice in moral formation, they want it where they're forced to hire him, even if he holds things that are radically untrue. And I don't think this will stay with gay marriage, right? Like, this is going to go into transgenderism. Oh, boy. Thank you for going there. I was just going to ask you, with the stew that we've got out there right now, and they keep steering it up, so what happens when the man uh, comes up and says, hey, uh, I want to be called her because I identify as a woman, and I've got a girlfriend, and I'm going to get married, uh, you know, uh, to her, and it's a guy, you know, or whatever. I mean, it just blows the doors off of everything. Right, exactly, exactly. And this is the other problem with the way the Respect for Marriage Act is written, is it doesn't actually define marriage. Um, This is something that the left um, has started doing. Like, for example, they don't actually define abortion in any of their legislation. They don't uh, define marriage. They simply said that marriage is whatever any state recognizes it to be Mm -hmm. um, between any two individuals. So any two individuals' language at least took questions of polygamy off the table um, for this particular um, bill. Um, and they had to because they realized that what they initially proposed um, explicitly did allow for that. And that was absolutely unpopular with voters. Um, but the problem is that the phrase any two individuals is already incredibly vague. So what happens <laughs> yeah. if there's a woman who's presenting as a man and then wants to marry another woman, and she claims, I'm a man, and this is a woman, so this is a traditional marriage. Like, this is what you people are all about. Um, And clearly, right, this is going to be a problem for religious institutions and schools and nonprofits, um, because we hold that there is a difference between gender, and that by simply changing your appearance, you don't actually change the way that God made you, right? Um, And so that's just another example of the ways that anti-discrimination lawsuits can then be lobbed against these um, religious schools and institutions, which would then threaten tax-exempt status, their accreditation, um, their ability to even compete or exist in the public square as we know it. Hmm. Yeah, we had uh, this discussion a little bit yesterday, and I've always uh, made sure people understood that the left will always redefine the terms. They, they, semantics is a place where they, they live at. For instance, uh, I don't hear abortion as much as I hear health care, women's health care. They say that instead of abortion now. And uh, many times, uh, you know, they won't even say pedophile. Now it's minor attracted, uh, attracted people. Map. You know, that's what they uh, what they came up with. So they're not people don't even know what they're talking about sometimes. No, it's so true. And so and this is one of the major problems, again, with the Respect for Marriage Act is they used very religious sounding language in the framing of it to make it seem like it was something that was actually protecting and honoring people of faith and their religious beliefs. But like you're pointing out, all of this comes down to a language game uh, where they're trying to use language to suggest or change the narrative in a way that is simply not congruent with what they're arguing for. And the problem with this is that you cannot use language 
to redefine the world as God made it. So we think about this with like even the sexual revolution. Um, for decades, women were told to um, be promiscuous and to pursue sexual relations like men do and to not be confined by any traditional values um, or norms, right? And yet, 30, 40, 50 years later, we have an entire generation of women who are more unhappy than ever before, many of whom are addicted to SSRIs. Um, There's an entire Me Too movement coming up in response because they realize that simply pushing for the language of consent and saying, I consented to these things to happen, wasn't enough to actually make them feel okay about the lifestyle um, and the decisions they were making, right? And this is the same thing with abortion and transgenderism and even marriage is it simply because you say that the thing is okay or you call it marriage doesn't change what it is right simply calling it marriage doesn't make two men in a relationship a marriage um, especially not along religious lines and so there's an attempt to redefine I think what it means to be human on a very big level and they're trying to push that through um, through law through activism through every outlet possible and in this instance it's not only untrue but it's directly attacking people of faith at the same time this to me is nothing more than pushing the 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 terrible science fiction narrative we've seen over the last 50 years and it's finally coming true emma thanks so much for being with us Uh, heritage.org is your all's website i'm sure you have a lot of articles written about this isn't that true That's true. If you type in heritage.org, Respect for Marriage Act, it'll actually take you to a full page where you can see all of the articles that I and others have written about this issue and will continue to write about the issue going forward. Take it to your Sunday school, I'm telling you. I appreciate you, Emma. Thank you very much for being part of the Dave Ellswick Show. And come see us to see Gone with the Wind on the big screen next year in January. All right, with that said, we appreciate her time. I got news coming up, and then we'll have our congressman on, District 2, District 4. The lame duck session, what are the Democrats up to? We'll talk about it next on the Dave Ellswick Show. Let's get into the uh, 7 o'clock hour. Our thanks to Emma Waters from over at the Heritage Foundation uh, spending the last half hour with us uh, talking about this piece of legislation uh, that passed out of the Senate yesterday uh, codifying same-sex marriage and jeopardizing religious liberty. We're going to, you know, we can talk more about this. It's heading your way, Congressman, Congressman Hill. This is going to be heading your way. You're going to vote against it? 
I am. I voted against it uh, when it passed the House uh, over the summer. In my judgment, maybe it's, it's just not necessary. I mean, the courts have spoken, state laws have spoken, and to me this has just been um, honestly a political exercise that uh, <coughs> Pelosi initiated before the election, again, just to divide people. Yeah, it kind of defied the country. I agree, Senator. Yeah, I mean, and, and I just, I just don't think it's necessary. And if it's, uh, I saw the concerns uh, some of the senators expressed that they still think it uh, opens liability for you know religious uh, freedom. And I'm always reminded of of Huckabee's great one-liner from the '90s, which is the First Amendment uh, offers us the liberty of. Uh, of uh, religious freedom, but also the exercise thereof. That's right. It's it's both. And um, some people don't really get that. And I think that's an important part of when we look at laws we've got to be conscious about. Well, I'll tell you who doesn't get it, Senator Warren. She doesn't get it at all. Well, this would make her consistent in pretty much all her views, uh, that she would be inconsistent with your views and my views on... <laughs> Uh, economic policy, uh, constitutional policy. She's just a uh, government interventionist and a, you know, a social policy person. Big government is her maxim for everything. All right. Well, you guys are going to have some really busy, busy weeks, about four and a half weeks of just really intense kind of things going down. Let's talk about the first thing that that I think is important, and that is, uh, what are you going to do about the budget? So the Democrats have not uh, come up with a proposal for what they want to do for FY23, which ends next September, uh, final spending. We're on what's called a continuing resolution that runs out December 16th. And remember, the Democrats control both the House and Senate and the presidency, and they have not been able to find a bill, I guess, that they support. So we don't know what they're going to do between now and the 16th in the way of making an offer. Are they going to fund government? Uh, are they going to negotiate new levels with uh, the Republicans, the fact that the Republicans are taking the House and therefore bring down spending between now and September 30th? I think they don't have a plan yet. So yeah. we're waiting to see their first move. Yeah, that, and this is what worries me that I'm, I'm seeing being played out right in front of us, uh, uh, Congressman. And you tell me if I'm right or I'm wrong. Yeah. You got the Freedom uh, Caucus that wants some things that are done. They want some rule changes. What are these rule changes and are they a significant rule changes that they're asking for? Well, in the rule debate that we had uh, the week before uh, Thanksgiving for the um, the House Republican conference rules, and we're also debating the future House of Representatives rules. You know, I think they want transparency. They want to make sure the committees work. Everybody agrees with that. Um, but I don't see that necessarily connected to this budget debate with Democrats. I think what Republicans want is, as we've talked about before, we want to move back to pre-pandemic spending levels, spending priorities, and move the deficit back as close to zero as possible and take a step towards balancing the budget like we did and the uh, when the Republicans took the House back in 2010. In the 2011 to 2019 phase, we were able to cut uh, discretionary spending significantly. Uh, 
So that's, I think, where the spending debate is. Is that fight going to be held now, uh, before Christmas, or is that going to be held in the new year? And But on the, the Freedom Caucus and the rules debates, I mean, we've been debating those. Uh, we've been voting on proposals one at a time. We've got more of that this afternoon as it relates to running the House conference. Yeah, I saw a, a, a statement made by a Democrat uh, yesterday, Democrat in the House, and I forget what his name was, but he, he made the statement, I don't lose sleep over uh, what the Republicans want to do because they're not going to be able to get it together to do it. Did You see, I, I worry about this a little bit when I watch what's going on, that there's enough flies out there that they could yeah, they could really screw up the ointment. You know what I'm saying? Well, there's no doubt. With a small majority, a Speaker of the House in January has the same management challenge that Nancy Pelosi had when she was Speaker of the House. You've got a very narrow majority. You have to have 218 votes to move a Republican agenda forward, and the Republicans have to get on the same page. And uh, I've been making this argument for three weeks. Look, McCarthy was nominated to be the leader of the Republicans in the House. He won the vote 188 to 31, and Republicans need to move on. You know, that's how elections work. Elections have consequences, Mm -hmm. and uh, we need Republicans uh, stepping up behind uh, our leader and getting ready to govern the House. And so I think this is – it is giving Democrats an opportunity to take – pot shots and try to come up with ideas to divide Republicans, and that's not the way to uh, take the fight to Joe Biden, which is what the electorate wants us to do in January. I think we have to understand the big issues. I mean, the really big issues, they're a non-starter. We don't have the power to do them yet. That's going to have to come in 2024. Is that not true? It is true. We didn't win the Senate, and uh, that means we have limited ability to... uh, pass even laws that will go to Joe Biden's desk. I mean, the Democrats maintain control of the Senate. And so what we have in the House is the power to call witnesses, the power to do investigations, the power to pass bills that if we had all the levers of power show you what we're for, (laughs) that we're for unleashing American energy and becoming energy independent, that we want to secure the border that we support our police, uh, that uh, we want to move the budget back towards balance, that we want to not burden American business with undue regulations and Elizabeth Warren's and Bernie Sanders' vision. And so we do have those powers, and that's what we need to be about on January 3rd. All right. You, the, 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 spe- the speaker-to-be, I hope, uh, has about four votes that he can spare. He's, he's, to get the necessary votes, that, that 218 that he needs, he cannot lose more than four Republicans when the vote goes, goes on. There are three Republicans that have been very, very outspoken, and they say they'll never vote for McCarthy. That leaves two who have been saying they're open, but that means there's negotiations probably going on behind the curtain. Is that true? It's true. Well, there are actually five uh, Republicans who claim they're not going to vote for uh, Speaker McCarthy. Uh, Good of Virginia, Rosendale of Montana, Norman of South Carolina, Roy of Texas, um, 
and uh, I'm leaving one out. Uh, Biggs of Arizona. Yeah, Biggs. And and I would if they want to use that leverage to uh, get some committee assignment or something that might be as you say going on behind the scenes but it is not uh helping us unify to prepare to take the fight to joe biden and to be the party of and and issue the uh, legislation and the oversight and the regulation reform that we campaigned on all year Uh, it's a distraction and so i urge my colleagues to support uh, McCarthy for speaker. And look, if he doesn't do a good job, you know what, Dave? We can change him. Yeah, vote him out. Um, vote him out. This is People don't understand this process. They're not getting married here. I mean, you want an example of that? You want an example? Yeah. Liz Cheney. Yeah. Liz Cheney was elected to be the conference chairman for the Republicans in the House by a ballot in the House. And it was reaffirmed, you know. Uh, and but when she went off the rails and began tearing down Republicans and distracting the House, a secret ballot was taken, and she was removed from conference chair. This isn't rocket science. Uh, so the conference has the power to vote for their leadership, and that's Kevin McCarthy won that leadership position. He should be given a chance to serve as the next Speaker of the House, and if he doesn't do get the job done, the House can change. I hope people will understand this, and I hope Republicans uh, that are in the House understand this. You got there's there's a part of this that's all you know uh, pictures. I mean, it's photo ops, and you guys got to get the right photo ops to make sure the American people know that you all are on the same page. Exactly right. All you're doing when you have this controversy and don't support uh, our leader for speaker is empower Democrats and Democrat policy. That's the bottom line. All right. We'll come back, talk a little bit more about the lame duck session. And uh, it's important that people understand what is going on right now. So uh, the next four and a half weeks are very, very important. And we'll talk about those with the Congressman Hill, who's our uh, congressman from District 2 here in Arkansas on the Dave Ellswick show. So, uh, you know, you don't want to make the big mistake like I made when I first moved into my house. I put... uh, a security system in that really didn't do the job that I wanted to do it identifies itself by just no, you know just by letters and uh, I'll leave it at, at that so now I'm with ICU protection with Billy Mack and uh, they do this and they do it right I've been with them now for several months I've got cameras on the outside of my home I've got cameras through my door my doorbell. I've got uh, sensors on all my windows and my doors. And guess what? They didn't cost me a dime. Not not even a penny. Those came free. They became mine when they were put in my house. All I have to do is pay for my service. And uh, I know there's a lot of people who have said to me when they've talked to me said yeah well what's your service charge dave is it is it uh, you know like what other people charge and i said yep i checked that out they don't make up the money by by doing that in fact i had billy mack on the owner of this company and what 
he did is uh, he came out and was just transparent about it and said, hey, when I bring a new customer on, uh, depending on what we're putting into their house, we know sometimes it may be four years before we make any money off of them, but we know that we'll have a customer uh, for life at ICU Protection. So call them, 501-205-1333. These are folks that do Nuke One. If they can do Nuke One, they can do your house, and they can do your business. Call Billy Mack at 501-205-1333 like I did and become a person who uses ICU Protection. All right, let's get back, talk, uh, and finish up our conversation with Congressman Hill, uh, Congressman District 2. And we've been talking about this new, uh, not new, it's just uh, the end of uh, uh, Democrat rule in the House, thank God. And uh, so what are you expecting? What, what are the Democrats hiding up their sleeve, Congressman, that they might try? I mean, is gun control something they're going to try or has uh, the president been talked down from that uh, that treetop perch well they've got uh, these three hectic weeks uh, the must pass thing there's some solution on spending i would say and uh, the punt on that is just another continuing resolution into 2023 at some date and that hurts our military uh, it hurts our military Acquisitions, the things we're using to support uh, Ukraine's fight against Russia, some of the new proposals we have for our defense. Uh, it hurts uh, a lot of basic government operations when you just have, quote-unquote, a continuing resolution. Secondly, uh, the National Defense Authorization Bill, I th- suspect, will come to the House to floor next week. But the mischief, uh, besides the marriage bill of Schumer's coming this week or next, uh, they could try gun control, but don't forget they've got to have 60 votes in the Senate. I can't imagine they have 60 votes in the Senate, but they could try that. Um, they know they're going to lose the House, so they may just have a run a, run a series of plays where they bring up all their crazy ideas they've had for the last four years and try to pass them again. Things like uh, uh, laws that would abolish all voter ID laws in the states. I mean, they've they've tried that three times in the last four years. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I do think the concentration and all the, all the staff time of the Democrats will be trying to find a spending deal. It's during the time that you guys are going to be in control. You got control next two years, and then elections come up again, and then you got to hold on to it. And it's going to be a presidential year as well. Is it imperative that the Republican Party now shows the the roadmap that they want to follow to bring uh, you know our economy uh, back to where it was? Uh, with President Trump and things of that nature. Is that what needs to be done? Say, look, here's what we really want to do, but you got to give us power to be able to do it. Right. If we want independent voters and swing voters in this country to elect a Republican president in 2024, then we've got the next two years to showcase. How would we unleash American energy and have American uh, energy independent again? How would we bring down inflation? How would we bring down spending and show a blueprint on how to get to a balanced budget? How would we secure our border? 
How will mm-hmm. we bring back confidence uh, that our local governments uh, support and, and defend our police, not defund our police? How do we make sure that parents are involved in the classroom and don't let woke, ridiculous fads sweep over American education system, teaching our kids to hate each other? This is crazy. So we need to be doing that and be speaking from the same song sheet because this is what the American families believe in. We know these are issues that 65% of Americans agree on, and Republicans should be offering those solutions over the next two years to give us a shot had taken the White House and the Senate back and holding the House in 2024. Yeah, I, I agree. You guys have got to say, here's, you know, we're showing you what we want to do, but we can't get it done the way the power is laid out right now uh, in Washington, D.C. Let us get in control, and here's what we will do, and then you got to do it. Exactly. And we can't be distracted by charging up uh, hills that we can't win. You know, uh, we can we're going to make progress. We need to offer those bills, get them passed in the House, carry the argument to the American people and then be rewarded for that hard work by winning the Senate back and and recognizing that we got a shot to take the White House back, get this country back on track instead of where it's been the last two years. What about uh, voting? Last question for you. And that is, uh, are are we going to. You know, the the president, the uh, former President Trump, made a statement about he wanted to bring paper ballots back and he wanted to do this and he wanted to do that. Problem is he doesn't have the power to do that. It's a state issue. That's why state elections are so important uh, to the the electoral process, correct? A hundred percent. Our counties and our state secretaries of state decide the time, place, and manner of elections. And our state counties uh, decide... uh, you know, what vendors to use and how to go about the election process. That's the beauty of our country is that's completely not in one spot, not in one control, not in one computer system, not controlled by people outside the United States. That fragmentation gives the our people the government uh, they deserve because they control when those votes are, are taken and when and how they're counted and how they're uh, uh, you know, operated, and that's the way it should be. All right, we'll talk to you then again next Wednesday. You can try to help us keep things clarified so we know exactly what's going on. All the best, Dave. Thank you. All right, Congressman French Hill here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Coming up in the next half hour, Congressman Bruce Westerman will join us. He'll answer some of the same questions, but we'll we'll talk to him about like. Uh, what's going to happen on committees and things of that nature. You know, he's going to be committee chair uh, in the House uh, dealing with natural resources. We want to talk to him about that and, uh, you know, things that they need to be able to do uh, to make things work uh, in in D.C. and work for you and work for me. Uh, One of the things that has to happen is, uh, we have a national platform for the Republican Party, and we've got uh, a, a, a state platform. And, I mean, we're, we're getting ready to come up to talk about education uh, here in a couple of months here in the state. And, uh, you know, I would remind my Republican brethren that are elected officials that you must follow the platform and the platform is calling for you know open education for school choice 
wide open school choice in here in the state of Arkansas. And we're going to talk about that in the coming days. A break, and then we got more coming your way on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you. I just heard from uh, the congressman, Westerman. Uh, he'll be with us shortly. He definitely wants to talk about uh, the bill uh, that was voted yesterday uh, by uh, Republicans and Democrats al- alike uh, dealing with uh, uh, gay marriage. And uh, he, he's got some things that he wants to say about that. And I said, fantastic. We'll talk to you shortly about that. So I'm waiting for him to give us a call and get things going. I, I guess what I should do is take a quick break here and send him the number again in case he doesn't <laughs> have it on his phone. I didn't think about that today. I figure we talk every week he'd, he'd have it already uh, in there. But, uh, yeah, I, I'll send him uh, that note. Let me just remind you about P.I. Roofing real quickly. P.I. Roofing and Home Solutions are uh, are there. There's, there's the congressman now. Uh, this is uh, your ability to get things done that you need to get done around your house and not just on your roof. I mean, P.I. Roofing has proven they're uh, the best roofing company here in the local area as far as um, other work. Uh, they hadn't done that in the past. Now, as uh, Home Solutions, uh, they'll do all of the the work you need around your house as far as construction is concerned because getting one of the big construction firms to do work at your house is tough. They don't want to do little jobs. They want to do big jobs, and I can understand that. But then you got somebody who steps up to fill the void, and that's PI Roofing, and it's a great team uh, to, to fill the void because they've done such a great job on doing roofs. You know you can they can do construction. They do construction on roofs all the time, and I'm sure that they can take a, a good uh, uh, whack at fixing my uh, my. Uh, back porch for me uh, coming in the uh, springtime. I'm working that with them right now about when we want to start, when we figure the weather will be conducive to that and having it ready for when I'll need it uh, in the next year. But they do construction now. If, if you need windows put in, they'll do that. If you need gutters put on, they'll do that. They do it all now. They're, you know, it's old saying, one-stop you know, uh, kind of place, but that's exactly what PI Roofing is now. PI Roofing Home Solutions, you call them 501 707 3115 or visit them online at piroofing.com. Uh, Congressman Westerman is on with us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Congressman, uh, the, the, the platform of the Republican Party. Uh, you know, here in the state, at least, is uh, marriages between one man and one woman. I don't know what the national platform is. I don't have it in front of me. But uh, the, the 18 different Republicans that voted for this uh, codifying of gay marriage, did they, are they following the, uh, uh, the Republican platform? Well, good morning, Dave. Uh, you know, the... Uh Marriage uh, is actually, I think, something that's outside even the, the purview of responsibility of Congress. It predates Congress. It's a it's an institution of, uh, that really civilization is based on. I think it was actually 12 Republican senators that voted for that. Okay. Um, 
but it's it's very disappointing to me that Congress thinks they can go in and redefine something that actually I don't believe is definable by Congress. It's more of a uh, a definition of nature of what marriage is, and it's foundational to um, to civilization. So, um, you know, that's one of the more disappointing votes that I've seen come out of Congress since I've been here. So do do you feel like, for instance, there's several different uh, right groups that feel like this is a a, a kind of open end around to uh, attack religious institutions and and, uh, take away religious freedom? Do you feel like that's happening with this bill? Absolutely. I think that's at the root of the bill is an attack on religious liberty. And they claim that they put protections for religious liberty in there. That's hogwash. Um, They put some protections for uh, supposed protections for for churches or religious institutions. But for individual religious liberty, I see no protections in it. And the telltale sign is that um, uh, there were amendments offered on the Senate floor to uh, clarify religious protection, and they were all voted down. And you know, some of the comments by by the Democrats, like Senator Durbin, um, you know, they were basically saying, "Don't don't worry about this. The intent of the law is uh, that uh, we protect religious liberty." Well, Senator James Langford from Oklahoma pointed out, uh, I think, very well how that. Uh, courts don't look at the intent of the law. They look at the language of the law. Yeah. And the fact that the Senate rejected these amendments tells you what their, their ultimate goal is. So I'm, I'm very disappointed in this. It's, uh, it, it, to me, it's an overreach of, of Congress and an overreach of government. Marriage predates government. It predates the United States. And it's, uh, it's a sense of arrogance to say that we can go in and say, uh, marriage is something other than what marriage really is. It's really promoting a lie. And the the irony here, the, the Orwellian part of it, is that they did what they always do. They called it the Respect yes. for Marriage Act. And if, if you look at the big picture, government only has two uh, positions they can take with the institution of marriage. They can respect marriage or they can disrespect marriage. And what the Senate passed is disrespectful of the institution of marriage. So, again, they named a bill um, something that it's uh, 180 degrees of what it actually is. So um, I think this is a bigger deal than most people actually realize, uh, but that's where we're at today. All right. It always is a bigger deal. They don't pass a law without some reason to really want to pass it. And I thought that uh, Senator Warren made a very interesting statement when she said, this is just the first step. Well, that should that should give you pause to think about, well, what's the second step? What's the third step? And and that's that's progressivism. Yes. Social progressivism. There's always another step. It's never enough. There's always another step, and when you um, when you try to say you're conservative and you're going to allow uh, something like the institution of marriage to be attacked, it, it's hard to make an argument that you're conservative by the definition of of conserve 
of protecting uh, the institutions and the uh, and the, the past and looking forward to the future, it's hard to make an argument that somebody can um, disrespect marriage and consider themselves a conservative. Yeah, we we touched base with this on just a moment ago with uh, with Congressman Hill, and that is. It seems to me, as you guys move into 2023, and yes, you have control of the of the House by your fingernails, you know that, uh, but it's important that you stand up and show Amer- the American people what it is that the Republican Party is wanting to do uh, if they have enough power to do it, like if they got the White House back and they got the control of the Senate back as well and then held on to the House. This is your time to shine, correct? Yeah, we can definitely uh, paint a contrast here. And uh, you, you hit the nail on the head with the, the slimmest of margins. We're going to have to come uh, together. I was in a meeting yesterday with, with Jim Jordan and a few others, and we talked about how, um, you know, we've got some big issues that we're going to have to set aside our differences as Republicans on things like energy and border security and, and some of these other major policy issues, we have got to come together with a unified message on what uh, Republicans are for in these areas. So um, it's going to be a, a challenge, but I believe we're, we're up for the challenge to, uh, to make things happen. Um, you know, on the, uh, on the, the marriage issue, though, uh, you know, I read something that a poll I think said that seventy percent of Americans believe that uh, gay marriage should be the law of the land. So that's um, um, you know just because seventy percent of people believe something doesn't make it uh, doesn't make it right. And you're getting into this area of, of moral relativism and uh, you know just you know voting for for whatever you think is uh, is a popular thing to do rather than, um, you know, upholding those conservative principles that have uh, been foundational to, to our country and to civilizations as a whole. Yeah, I mean, you're you all are going to be expected to to show what it is you want to do. It, it, you may not be able to get it all passed because you got a president who's Democrat, you got a a Senate that's Democrat. Uh, that's going to cause you all kinds of problems. However, within your own caucus, you got to get some people on board. Uh, there's five, uh, you know congressman out there saying well we won't vote for you know uh, mccarthy as speaker of the house and so you show that republicans aren't ready to to play together i would think most americans look at that and say well what can they do for us as as a whole as a country then yeah and that's why it's important that we we find reasons to to unify and to come together and to focus on those policy concerns. Um, you know, I know some of these folks that have said they're they're not going to vote for McCarthy for speaker, but the the entire conference, um, you know, five people can essentially hold it hostage. But the question is, what's the end game? Yeah, because you're not going to get. Um, there's not somebody else that's going to come along that. Uh, others won't hold the conference hostage over uh, over their pick. So 
the the adult thing to do is to sit down and talk about what are your problems, what are the things that need to be changed, how can we work together as a team so that we can get um, a unified group and go out and focus on the, the policy concerns. And that's, uh, you know, we were uh, uh, spent almost three hours in a meeting yesterday with uh, with a, a very diverse cross-section of our conference, including the uh, uh, some of these that have said they weren't going to vote uh, for McCarthy. But I think we're getting, uh, getting much closer. It's kind of like... Uh, uh, family issues when you sit down and, and talk about it and you get some open communication it uh, it seems to help things out and provides a foundation for a path forward all right we got to get a break in congressman we'll come back finish up our discussion it always comes down to what's in it for me we'll talk about that when we continue on the dave ellswick show all right, back with you. We're talking with Congressman Bruce Westerman, District 4. He'll be taking over his uh, committee beginning of next year. Let me just ask, uh, you guys keeping a close eye on the Democrats right now with this you know, lame duck time going on, about four weeks, that they don't try to you know, pull a fast one? Oh, my goodness. And it's... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not always Democrats either. Uh, you you go over to the Senate, and it's uh, it's Republican senators a lot of times. Uh, you know, in my in my role is the ranking member on the committee. When you get down with these bills like the National Defense Authorization Act, that's considered a must pass bill, um, you have people that want to come in and put every every bill they couldn't get passed in Congress as a rider onto the NDAA. But the kind of the agreement is they call it the the four corners. So you got the um, the majority and the minority in the House, and the majority and the minority in the Senate that looks at these riders that are coming through. As and as the ranking member on the Resources Committee, any rider that has um, a nexus to to my committee, I get to be one of those four corners on whether it goes in the bill or not. And so I have some very strict guidelines, which to me are very reasonable. Number one, it has to be defense-related. I'm not going to approve something in a Defense Authorization Act that has nothing to do with defense. So that that weeds out about 90% of the things that, are, that people try to put in the bill. And the other one is that it's had, have, had to have had a hearing or a bill passed off of the House floor or the Senate floor, uh, at least had some vetting on the issue. Um, it is unbelievable the amount of requests that come in with things that are totally unrelated to the defense of our country that people are wanting to stick on these bills. Um, and that's why, in my opinion, why government is so dysfunctional that we don't do the work throughout the year to pass these bills in regular order and have a transparent debate and a, and a vote on them um, like they should. And the Senate's the worst at it because they know it takes 60 votes to pass something in the Senate, so they get lazy and they don't have the hearings. They don't pass the bills off the floor. They wait around for the NDAA. Uh, and you know how much I hate omnibuses. Yep. It will be 10 times worse than the NDAA, and those requests are already coming in. And I'm, I'm just the, the guy of no. So I think I've made 
all kinds of senators and other House members <laughs> upset, but I'm sorry, I just can't approve uh, a bunch of uh, riders on these bills, and, and that's because that's not the way government should operate. Isn't that something that uh, a few of the people who are against uh, McCarthy are, are saying uh, earmarks need to be gotten done away with? I mean, you all got away got away from them back in the 2000s, early 2000s. Can't you get away with them now? I mean, uh, is, is that one of the changes that they want? Well, a, a rider and an earmark to me are are different things. Okay. And so, so in a in a spending bill, if in, in an appropriation bill, an earmark would be an amendment on that bill that's debated in the committee, voted on on the House floor, that has a specific item to be funded in that appropriation bill. I, I actually think. Um, the way our country was founded, that is a process that is not uh, not bad. It's when you put stuff in that never gets debated, that never gets uh, uh, a public light shown on it, that's put in at the last minute in a uh, must-pass bill. Um, those are where the problems come from. But if you know, if there's a an issue in somebody's district that needs federal attention, uh, I think a member of Congress should have the opportunity to make that argument that here's a need that has a federal nexus that that, sh- that needs to be addressed and let Congress vote on it. There's nothing wrong with, with that. Um, but I think people confuse earmarks and, and riders uh, which they can be the same thing, but there's um, there is there's a process for directed spending that I think follows true with the Constitution. Uh, but uh, a bunch of riders in a last minute bill, I think, are getting away from the kind of government that we should have. All right, we got ninety seconds. Uh, the president says, "Hey, we're going to uh, do some business with Venezuela. You know, help them uh, get their their oil pumping going, and we're liking what's going over in the Middle East with Iran, Iraq, blah blah blah. But uh, when it comes to America, hey, you guys just sit at home. Uh, as the the chair of the Natural Resources, what are some things that you can do to bring the president around, or can you?" Oh, that that is in the first place, Dave. That is unbelievable, uh, absolutely unbelievable. That he would be going to Venezuela, trying to remove sanctions so that Chevron can start producing oil in Venezuela again. Um, maybe if if we didn't have oil and gas, um, and it was a, a desperate moment. You know, maybe then you go to a country like Venezuela, but as a very last resort, that was his first choice. I mean, why is he not going to Texas? Why is he not going to Oklahoma and Alaska and Pennsylvania, where you could be extracting this oil a much cleaner, much safer, no human rights violations, uh, creating American jobs, building American wealth? Um, it makes no sense to me. So what we're going to be pushing in one of these big bills that that we talked about yesterday that uh, we have to come together on is energy policy uh, to draw a sharp contrast between the way the Biden administration is doing it and the way that it 
it doesn't just need to be done, it has to be done. For the safety and security of our country, we have to do different from what Joe Biden's doing. All right. That's from the chairman of the Natural Resources Committee. Get ready. It's going to be fun to watch Bruce do his do his work. Of course, Congressman Bruce Westrom, we thank you for your time. We're out of time, and we'll talk to you again next Wednesday here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Tomorrow, got a great show for you. You won't want to miss it. Duck and, uh, and them will be on tomorrow. And uh, we'll hear from Dick Morris as well here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. Back with you. Here it is, 9 o'clock, last hour of the Dave Ellswick Show for a Wednesday. And uh, good to have you back with us. Story on uh, THV.com brings up a a subject that we've talked about many times here on the show. I didn't know this was going on, although I did notice yesterday as I was uh, heading home that... uh, the uh, transient camp, nice way of putting it, where the homeless people are living here on university, at University and I, 630, was being cleaned out. I mean, it it had gotten big. I mean, they had huge tents and all kinds of stuff over there, and it was not a healthful sight. All right. Uh, there was a site before you, if you were coming uh, from um, the uh, the north and coming south, I think that's correct, and you, just before you went under the bridge uh, for I-630 and you looked to your right, this would be over there by the new chicken place that they just built uh, to eat at, uh, and you look to your right, there was a tree, kind of old tree there, and there was just all kinds of crap strewn everywhere. And uh, I, got, I kind of felt sorry. Uh, well, not kind of. I did feel sorry for the uh, city workers or uh, the, the Arkansas Department of Transportation, whichever group it was, that were there to clean that up because it was a mess. I mean, I, I had noticed it several weeks ago. I had I had called in and said, could something be done about it? I mean, somebody had hung up had hung up their shirts in the tree to, to dry them and, and all kinds of stuff. It was really crazy. And then if you went under the bridge and were turning to go up on uh, 630 to take you to I-30, uh, over in the... Uh, the forest for woods for what better terminology you want to come up with i mean that's been an area of problems for years and they have been they cleaned it out and then uh, the people leave and then they come back and i don't know how many people live over there but it's got to be quite a few 
and there's other areas that are being worked on as well. Uh, these homeless camps in Little Rock and North Little Rock now are being moved out of the metro area. I don't know exactly where they're putting them. Uh, the Arkansas Department of Transportation is in charge of the removal of the camps. I find that kind of interesting. And they explain that they are focusing on areas near the highways and the interstates. I mean, this, this is where you get the eternal problem of as you come off of, like, for instance, I-630, uh, there by four points, uh, you, uh, you've got uh, uh, people that are hanging out there and, uh, you know, they, they used to be, they had a tin cup or whatever, don't have it any longer. They sit out there in wheelchairs. They sit out there with uh, dogs and, and all kinds of people, you know, asking for contributions, asking for you to give them money uh, because they're homeless, or at least that's what they say. Uh, I don't know if they are or they aren't. I just know that they're out. And, you know, I've had people step off that curb in the median right there at that light and almost step right in front of me in my car as I'm coming off of I-630 to get on university. And uh, I'm surprised that nobody's been hit yet and killed, to be honest with you. And that's why they're moving people, they're moving people out. Uh, Dave Parker, our dot spokesperson, who's been on our show before, and we, uh, we have talked with them uh, about uh, these things, is... Uh, you know, you got a, a bad situation. He says it's never a good time to have to do this. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're in a position where we have to take a lead. Last week, a notice was given to homeless people across central Arkansas, which said that because of safety concerns, they needed to vacate uh, the area. And this week, RDOT has begun to remove items and clear the areas where the camps uh, are, uh, quote, we're in charge of cleaning up these areas, maintaining the right-of-ways, thus they have to move. We are not physically moving anyone, said Parker. They're told that they have to go. It's up to them to find a place to go at that point. We have to go in at certain times of the year, clean up the trash, mow the grass, and we don't want any kind of accident to happen, he said. Some of the areas that are being cleared are the interse- intersection of Rodney Parham and uh, I-430, University I-630, which I was just talking about, and the intersection by McCain Mall near Highway 67 over in North Little Rock. Now, I've had the folks on from uh, the van before talking about uh, the work that they do uh, with the homeless and uh, some of the problems they've walked ran into and in feeding the homeless. Aaron Redden, founder, executive director, has been alerting people around the areas of the situation. Though he explained that there's not a lot of help for options of where they can go. He said that the last time uh, count that they did showed almost 600 people sleeping outside of the metro. There's not 600 beds available, said Redden. RDOT explained that they provided information to those affected about where they could find a place to stay. They started clearing out the homeless camps on Monday, and they said that it should take a couple of weeks before they're finished. Uh, Redden shared that the van is in need of blankets to hand out for the winter, 
and anyone looking uh, for ways to uh, help uh, can check out the van's website. And uh, so that you got all of that going on right now. Uh, that website, let me see if I can get you an address right there on the website. The uh, van taking supplies such as food, water, clothing, and hygiene products to people where they are. Uh, the one incorporated mission is simply to locate and love our unsheltered neighbors wherever they may be. We're a mobile resource for our neighbors. With your help, we can make a, a difference. And uh, you can try going to their website uh, at the van. So uh, you might want to check that out. But there's a, you know, if you really want to help, that's, they're the people that you should deal with. Uh, and I'll see if I can't get to get Redden on here in the near future again uh, to talk to you about the, the ongoing problem of this. I mean, 600 people, that's a lot of people. That's not a small amount of people. That is a lot uh, of, of, of people. So something to, uh, to think about during this uh, holiday season that's coming up. And maybe you'd like to do something with some of those folks uh, to make their life just uh, a tad uh, be you know, just be a tad bit easier as far as uh, that that's concerned. I mean, you can take a look and ask the van how you can help them out. They take donations, so you could talk to them about that. All right, quarter after nine uh, on the Dave Ellswick Show. Let me remind you that Pat Davis has uh, health care plans to help you out, uh, but they're different than the typical health plans you get if you go in and, and get a government health plan. Uh, you're looking at a powerful team called uh, Your Health Plan Man, and it's uh, Pat and his son and his son-in-law and other people uh, that are working to uh, put together custom-built health plans, and uh, these health plans uh, are built for you specifically. I mean, you may not need uh, any kind of uh, coverage for a, a woman who's going to have a, a child, or maybe uh, you're young and you don't need a, a really big plan. All you need is a small plan uh, to take care of a day-to-day, you know, month-to-month type of things, tests and things of that nature. Well, they will help you out with all that. These are private health plans that pay you, for instance, to go to the doctor and are available all year round. These are, of course, health plans uh, that uh, you know you can utilize specifically for yourself. And uh, you know where he talks about them paying you for going to the doctor. That's what happens. And uh, you know if you call over to yourhealthplanman.com. Uh, Pat Davis or one of the folks that are there will tell you exactly how this works. So the middleman gets cut out, basically, is what happens. And that's always a good thing because typically that's the money that would normally go to you. Here's the situation now that it comes to you and you get uh, that money uh reimbursed to you. So call or text them at uh, 501-605-6935 and talk to them about this and find out uh, why so many people sign up for this and find out how it can benefit you. It's, uh, of course, 501-605-6935, or you can go online to yourhealthplanman.com. 
All right, let's move over and just talk about Elon Musk for a second. Um, he's uh, been hanging out in the news uh, for months now since he's bought Twitter, or even before he bought Twitter, when he was even thinking about buying Twitter. Uh, the left has gone absolutely, um, you know, guano out of their minds. They really have. And they, they've been attacking uh, Elon Musk. And uh, one of uh, his friends uh, talked about the tech mogul and said, look, he's been blasted by major Democrat politicians with coordinated attacks against him. I think it's it needs to be looked at and some of uh, Congress needs to look at uh, what the Biden administration has done. I mean, they're attacking Elon Musk uh, by, you know, putting and uh, sicking on the, the government onto him. You know, is it a monopoly? Well, if it's a monopoly now, it was a monopoly, you know, when it was going on before. But nobody was worried about it because um, there was no free speech. If, if you spoke out uh, against the administration, if you uh, supported the former administration if you didn't you know kowtow down to uh, what the government was saying about covid or if you said anything about covid in the chinese you were removed from the from uh, twitter there was you didn't have any recourse they would just throw you off to, off to, off twitter I mean, they do kind of the same thing over on uh, Facebook. You know, they put you in Facebook jail. You're off for a couple of weeks. You can't be posting anything. You know, and, and, and it's a free speech issue. Uh, it's, it's really sad as I sit here and watch that go on because uh, the answer to speech that you don't like is more speech. Other people getting into the discussion and offering their ideas and their thoughts about particular topics. But that's not the way the left wants to play it anymore. That's not the way the millennials want to play it anymore. You know, they they attack you. They want to cancel you. And uh, so, you know, Elon Musk is uh, fighting back. I'm, I'm really excited that he's going to publish these files that he has because he since he bought uh, Twitter now he he can see behind the curtain where you and I have not been able to we've, we've got our thoughts about it but he's going to put out uh, the files on uh, the people that have been taken off of uh, Twitter why they were taken off of Twitter what were they talking about that was upsetting people why did they not go after the Hunter Biden computer story? Why did they throw off uh, the New York Post from their Twitter uh, accounts so that they couldn't report on that? And uh, just, just crazy stuff that's been going on. So we're going to be able to get to the bottom of it a little bit. Uh, said uh, his friend, Jason DeBolt, Elon wasn't super political on Twitter until Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren uh, started attacking him for no reason. 
than others followed. Of all the dudes they could have attacked, they chose the guy most capable of helping government solve problems. Strange choice, DeBolt wrote. Musk responded to the tweet by agreeing and suggesting that these Democrats figures were mere actors in the political stage. Several other major uh, Democrat politicians attacked me, too, all around the same time. It was coordinated. Outside of party leadership and independents like uh, Manchin, they are essentially actors on the political stage, not directors or scriptwriters, Musk tweeted. Several other Democratic uh, politicians attacked uh, me, too, and all around the same time. And they were using me uh, as a way of uh, trying to get at uh, the business. I mean, when's the last time, because of, of uh, letting people speak their mind, have you heard the government say, well, we're going to have the FEC look at this? You know, we're going to have... Uh, you know, uh, the economic agencies of the, the government. We'll have the IRS look into them. Those are threats, folks. Threats over somebody saying something. Trying to destroy the whole idea of free speech. And I agree with what Musk has said. If you kill free speech in America, you're going to kill it around the world. There, there is no doubt. Uh, in that, uh, my 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 belief in in that. I mean, I got started on uh, the whole free speech uh, issue back when I was in high school, and the uh, the Berkeley demonstrations were going on. Now I didn't go out to California and, and demonstrate or anything like that, but uh, you know I did my little part, very little. I I was a um, editorial writer for our school newspaper, The Trojanal. And uh, we wrote about this kind of stuff all the time. And we fought against it all the time. And typically, back in the uh, late 60s, early 70s, it was, uh, you know, students uh, speaking out against uh, a right-wing government, the Republicans. And because the Republicans were doing what the left is doing now. They were attacking free speech. And then things kind of led up a little bit through the 70s, the late 70s, through the 80s, 90s, and into the early 21st century, and then it changed. And this time, the attack didn't come from the right, it came from the left. Because the left wanted to get their power. The left wanted to, you know, push forth their ideas. Only their ideas. And so if you had an idea that didn't go along with their idea, you just couldn't come to the party and say anything. I mean, we've watched over the last few years this whole cancel culture crap going on, and it, it's got to be brought to a stop. It's, it's, it's been slowed down some, but uh, 
basically where it's slowed down at is in uh, cultures like the movies and things of that nature. You're actually seeing now the other side given being given the chance to to say what they want to say or people just don't go to the movies. For instance, uh, the whole Disney thing, which I'm going to get into as well today, because it's important that we get into it. And and that is uh, the lady that's the head of, uh, you know, uh, the movies and all of that, who made the statement that she wanted all their characters to be 50% LGBTQ. Well, the world is not 50% LGBTQ. It's just not. Last the uh, last uh, figures I saw for uh, homosexual behavior in this country was less than eleven percent. That's a decided minority, and you don't change your uh, what you're producing uh, in movies, cartoons, and things of that nature uh, for a very small minority. Uh, to do and and so what has happened? Disney has been rocked with uh, losing a lot of money. That's why they've brought Iger back in, got rid of the other guy. They got political, and you don't turn off half of your audience. And uh, Strange New World, this new one uh, that they got out right now, is an abysmal loss. They're going to lose uh, over a hundred million dollars on that movie. Not even Disney. Can uh, you know just take those kinds of losses over and over again? Coming out and apologizing uh, for Disney attacking uh, Governor DeSantis uh, over uh, their uh, fight uh, with uh, gender fluidness uh, in. Uh, Florida and fighting against it and Disney getting into it because the lady who's the head of the uh, programming side of it has uh, two children that are gay and uh, she's letting that color her world and that's exactly what is happening and it's causing them problems. I mean I'm just sitting here I just was running over the story from Variety about uh, a Strange World. I mean When's the last time you heard a Disney, this word used with a Disney movie? Bombed. Bombed. I mean, you might hear weak opening, but you never hear bombed. This is a movie that bombed. And if you read Variety, uh, even they can't come to grips that the main problem was that it has a teenage character in it who, uh, you know, is, you know, drawn to... uh, another teenage character, you know, homosexually. And there's a lot of families having problems with that. And they're not giving their money to Disney uh, and taking their kids to see it. That That's what the problem is. Look, we had the, who, what was it, about six weeks ago, had the, the comedy came out, Bros. And uh, it was about... Uh, two homosexual guys and it was a rom-com but I mean you know it was a romantic comedy but it was between two guys and guess what the movie audience checked out on it they didn't want not interested it's what it came down to they're not interested in it 
Uh, most people, if a character is in a, in a uh, picture and they happen to be uh, gay, most people will overlook that. But if it is specifically about gay folks, uh, that doesn't it doesn't happen that way. And uh, you know the. Uh, all the people that are are pushing this agenda can push as hard as they want to, but it this is this is the the way the reality of our country is right now, and in other areas of the world it's even worse. I mean, Disney didn't even release this movie uh, over in the Middle East because they knew that the censors would shred it because of its homosexual themes, and then. Uh, you add in the ge- uh, geopolitical uh, themes, uh, not themes, but tensions with Russia and then with China, uh, you got a real problem. They're, they're saying right now that it is, even with being on Disney Plus and being on, uh, you know, other uh, uh, streaming services, that it's, it's set up to lose $100 million. I mean, the, the movie took 180 million dollars to make a market they're not even close they're not even within earshot of getting their their money back on this this film the animated feature debuted dramatically behind expectations this is directly out of the variety magazine with $11.9 million from 4,174 North American theaters over the weekend and $18.6 million over the five-day holiday frame. Before projections were revised downward, the movie was expected to earn $40 million between Wednesday and Sunday, and even those figures would have been unspectacular uh, to start with. So quit trying to change society. You know, Disney, uh, they've they've hurt themselves and hurt themselves big. So you got now you got Bob Iger, the CEO, back again for another run at Disney, who, uh, you know, is trying to make up for all this. Tucker Carlson had DeSantis on and played a a clip where Iger said, quote, I was sorry to see us dragged into that battle. And talking about the uh, Florida Parental Rights and Education Act, which banned schools from talking about sexual matters with young children until um, an older age. And uh, he said, and I have no idea exactly what its ramifications are are in terms of the business itself. What I can say is the state of Florida has been important to us for a long time. We have been very important to the state of Florida. That is uh, something I'm extremely mindful of and will articulate if I can get the chance. Uh, These are parents' rights, important policies in our state that are very popular, and so they brought this on themselves. I mean, they, they, the way Iger starts it off, he says, I'm sorry to see that we got dragged in this. They didn't get dragged in. They went willingly into that fight. And they picked the wrong side. 
I mean, when they went into it and they started fighting with the Florida about that, I called Disney Plus and canceled my subscription. I did. I was done with them. That was it. I haven't watched them. Look, there's stuff that I'd like to watch, but I'm not going to pay them month after month after month so they can put out a bunch of crap. You know, I mean, most of my older grandkids don't watch it anyway. And I'm sure not going to bring Eli or some of my younger grandkids in and sit them down in front of Disney Plus to be shown things that I don't believe in. And a lot of you feel the exact same way that I do about that. All right, we got to get our final break in for this morning. I just say, man, I'm telling you, it's good. Iger's got an uphill battle to fight on, on this one. He's got a big uphill battle that he's going to have to fight up. Uh, I got Kilmeade uh, pushing on the Biden spokesperson about uh, Afghanistan. I want to talk a little bit about that. Plus, you know, it only takes something uh, to happen in a geopolitical area that nobody was wanting to happen, but it just kind of just happens, and then uh, ugly things happen after it. South Korea scrambled jets as China and Russia warplanes entered their air defense uh, zone. And I'll talk about that when we get back as well here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I'm, it's not even hardly anybody reporting on that. And uh, it's something that everybody needs to be aware of. Uh, don't forget about East End Towing and what they can do for you. If you find yourself on the right-hand side of the road on the shoulder, uh, they'll come out and take good care of you. It doesn't matter whether you're in your car, you're towing your boat, you got a truck, or you got, you're got you pulling a camper, whatever. Whatever is causing the problem, they know how to get it taken care of so that you can get off of the road and you can get to the place that you want want your car, your trailer, uh, your truck, or your camper to be taken care of and to be taken care of. All you have to do is call East End Towing, 501-888-8849. That's 501-888-8849. Back with you. Finish it up for a uh, uh, a Wednesday here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Tomorrow, uh, Dick Morris will join us at 635 and you won't want to miss what Dick Morris has to say about uh, the um, just uh, 2022 uh, election cycle and what to expect from 2024. We'll be talking about that uh, tomorrow at 6.35. 7 o'clock, you got Joe and you got Duck in. Talk about cars. 9 o'clock, uh, we'll have a, a special guest in studio with us to talk about the tree uh, that's being uh uh, uh, performed uh, here locally. We'll talk about that. And Jimmy Coven's going to be in as well. He's got some new material uh, that you'll want to hear about as well. So, got a full show tomorrow. You want to be part of it. You want to make sure that uh, you don't miss any of it and know what's going on, you're especially if you're interested in politics. Uh, you're not going to want to miss uh, Dick Morris, and he'll be on in the 6.35, the 7 o'clock half hour of the Dave Ellswick Show. So that's what you got coming up tomorrow. Don't forget to order your tickets for It's a Wonderful Life, the 75th anniversary of uh, – what has become, you know, synonymous with the holidays. It's just no doubt about it. And when it first came out, people hated it. 
It was a bomb at the movie theater. But then uh, as the years went by and more people saw it, it was on television all the time, uh, it became a perennial favorite of everybody and uh, still is. And that's why we always show it like once every three years. I can tell you next year we're showing Miracle on 34th Street. Not the color version. No, 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 no. The black and white version. And the young girl that's in that movie is Natalie Wood, and uh, it is a, a wonderful movie. So we're showing that next year. But this year, you get It's a Wonderful Life, the 75th uh, anniversary of that film. And, and if you haven't heard, next year, other than Christmas and the very beginning of the year, every movie is going to be a salute to Steven Spielberg. We'll have Raiders. We're going to have Empire of the Sun, uh, Sugar Town. We're going to do that. Munich, AI. There's a lot of different movies you can show with Steven Spielberg, to say the least. So uh, we'll be showing all of his great ones. Schindler's List will be shown. Saving Private Ryan will be shown. So that's all coming up uh, in your next uh, your next year. All right, I promised I would t- touch on this story for you. Uh, Brian Kilmeade pressed the Biden spokesman on Pentagon's new findings on Afghanistan exit, and the Pentagon said it was a disaster. Fox and Friends co-host Brian Kilmeade grilled National Security Council Strategic Communications Coordinator John Kirby over the report calling out the Biden administration for its handling of what many critics call the botched exit and how it impacted uh, uh, the alliances. And here's what we know. Nations like China and Russia took a look at what we did in Afghanistan, and we've talked about this many, many times over the last year and uh, had to marvel at the speed the efficiency of their effectiveness of that very small number of troops being able to make uh, that many Afghans safely out of the country, Kirby said Wednesday. No other nation in the world can do that. But Kilmeade pushed back on Kirby's remarks, citing how the withdrawal was conducted while noting the 13 service members that lost their lives during the event and how China has used it as a propaganda event now to talk about how terrible uh, the United States is leading in the world. So uh, my congratulations to Brian Kilmeade uh, for um, asking some very, very straight questions to Kirby uh, when he came on. I don't think that he was expecting uh, that uh, to, to occur uh, on uh, Fox and Friends, but it did. And then lastly, South Korea's military scrambled its jets after two Chinese and six Russian warplanes uh, entered into its air defense identification zone uh, without warning early this morning. Two Chinese H-6 bombers first crossed the air defense zone shortly before 5 a.m. and proceeded to repeatedly fly over uh, this boundary of the uh, South Korea's southern and northeast coasts, the Joint Chiefs of Staff said, according to uh, Seoul-based news uh, outlet 
one hop. All right, and uh, that's a hot zone right now, and that's a hot zone. It always is a hot zone. Something something happens there, it can blow up into a major geopolitical event in no time. After relieving South Korea's uh, zones around 7 a.m., the two Chinese bombers returned some five hours later with Russian warplanes, including four Tu-96 bombers, two Su-36 fighters, and flew over Seoul's air defense identification zone uh, through the uh, Sea of Japan around 12.26 in the afternoon. The planes reportedly left the South Korea zone less than 20 minutes later. South Korea responded to the aggression by deploying an uh, indeterminate amount of aircraft, including F-15 jets, F-15K jets, in a precautionary move, officials said. Our military dispatched uh, Air Force fighters uh, just ahead of the Chinese and Russian aircraft's entry to implement tactical measures in preparation for a potential contingency, said the Joint Chiefs of Staff in a statement according to Reuters News. South Korea's military said that despite crossing its defense identification zone, the foreign aircraft did not violate Seoul's territorial airspace. What that means is they cut it razor thin. That's what they're saying there. Uh, An air defense identification zone is not considered to be part of a nation's airspace, which is uh, any airspace above its territory or its territorial waters, but instead acts as a buffer zone where uh, countries require foreign aircraft to identify themselves to prevent accidental incidents. That's what I was just telling you about, accidental incidents. There are no international rules governing air defense zones, and Russia does not recognize South Korea's zones. China has yet to publicly comment on the incident, though according to a Reuters report, Beijing has argued the uh, airspace is not territorial and therefore open for any nation to use. These are pushes. These are pushes. And in how you decide how you're going to react to that is really important. But I'll tell you, it's something to see these pictures they got of uh, 35 fighter jets and U.S. Air Force F-16 fighter jets uh, fly over the South Korean peninsula during a joint air drill in South Korea back on the 19th of uh, November. And then another picture coming out, South Korea's Air Force's F-15K fighter jets and U.S. Air Force F-16 fighter jets fly in formation uh, over South Korea. Again, when this stuff starts happening, uh, maybe it's just being provocative, and that's what it sounds like to me. But if something untowards happens... Bad things can uh, can get launched uh, fairly quickly, where you got that much military uh, gear uh, located on the South Korean uh, uh, South Korean Peninsula. Okay, and then last, give you something to smile about. 
Uh, George Taki slammed uh, former co-star William Shatner as a cantankerous old man uh, this week. The latest shot in a decades-long war of words between these two. Uh, he's just a cantankerous old man, and I'm going to leave him to his devices at Tacky85. He was talking to uh, The Guardian over in Britain in a Monday interview. I'm not going to play his game. He added, I know he came to London to promote his book and talked about me wanting publicly uh, uh, by using his name. So I decided I don't need his name to get publicity. I have much more substantial subject matter that I want to get public- publicity for, so I'm not going to refer to Bill in this interview at all, although I just did. <laughs> they just can't help themselves. They cannot help themselves. All right, wraps it up for today. Enjoy your afternoon. Enjoy your evening. I'll see you early in the morning uh, when we'll have uh, Dick Morris on here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 635. J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.